Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. I, I want to speak on this something, uh, and I know this might sound a little bit like right off the bat. This I want us to be, if I, I'm, my desire, my hope, and my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would make some things very clear in our walk with God. Um, and I sent out a text, and I think uh, in part of it was the, this question that was saying that, you know, how much of your relationship with God is like a wrestling match or a strain or, or it seems like it's like this constant, I'm trying to get somewhere, trying to go after him. And it's like it, there's this, you know, there's, I think it's how I envision it is sometimes our relationship with God is this far off thing or far off relationship where I'm really striving to get a hold of him, but it just seems like he's unable to get a hold of or it seems like there's just this constant strain or stretch or, or, or something going on in my life that is really challenging for me to relate with and to God. And I think that's a part of our walk with God. And then there's these, uh, this other dimension of our walk with God that's, that's purely organic and natural and, and seamless and it flows and it seems like it's, there's, there's peace and rest and and there's goodness, and there's just this, if, you could, if I could call it, I want to say just the word rest. But I think it's a deeper rest than what we would first think of rest as. Because when I think of rest, I think of like taking a nap. And that's a good thing. I really like naps. I wish I could take them more. I, wish, I honestly wish I lived... And, and I'm not saying I, I I'm, wish I wasn't here, but I really am envious of these cultures that take midday naps regularly. Like it's almost like embedded in their culture, almost in their bylaws. I, I'm like, that's, they're really on to something. We Americans, we, we kind of missed the boat on a lot of things. Or we caught the boat and let, like... So, so there again, I'm envious. I, I love that. I, so I like rest. I really do. Um, and if you knew me, you would say, well, it sure doesn't seem like that. You're always going and moving and doing and stuff, and you're always busy. And it's like, ah. But I think I do it just so I could rest <laughs> at the end of the day. And Robin teases me because I'll sit down and just like, I'm out. It doesn't matter what kind of chair. I, I, could, I could take a quick nap in my truck. That it just seems like, it's like, this is so uncomfortable, but, oh, it feels so good to just rest. And then someone comes knocking on my window. It's like, that, that happens. But I'd like to, if I were to, to title this message, it's Wrestling Leads to Rest. Wrestling Leads to Rest. And I think that's what we are all after whether we realize it, recognize it or not, we're after rest. Um, and it could be a resting. In the, so I, I think it's a deeper than a nap because true rest is a place where we're at peace. And we're right with God. And that's where true rest is. And that's what true rest is. And so that's what we're after whether we realize or recognize it or not, we are all after that rightness with God, peace with God. And we may try to go about it different ways, and, and, and some of us with our personalities take us down different roads and, and, and cause us to, to maybe do it a little bit different than somebody else would do it. And, and yet, but we're still after, I believe, after all this, we're all after the same thing rest. So I want to, this, this passage in scripture, it's in Genesis chapter 22, this, uh, this incident that takes place with Jacob, which is, you know, it, it'd be titled in your Bible as uh, uh, Jacob wrestles with God, or God wrestles with Jacob. Either or, it's the same thing. It's in, such an interesting thing that takes place here, I think, so um, just to give you some, some, uh, um, Backing to what's happen, he, happening here in Jacob's life, uh, this is at the point in Jacob's life where, where God is pouring blessings into his life. He has a lot. 
and a lot to be thankful for. But remember, there's still this, this uh, incident that is hanging over his head, and it's the one with his brother, his brother Esau. And even from the time they were born, it's, God actually says there, there's going to be this conflict. And so Esau, Jacob, you know, at one point we remember where he, he actually tricks Esau out of his birthright, you know, for a bowl of stew. Um, because Esau came back from a hunt and he was hungry and walks, he smells the bowl of stew that Jacob's cooking. And Jacob says, well, yeah, I'll give it to you, but it's going to cost you your birthright. And Esau foolishly, and that's what it, it's very, very evident. In fact, even Hebrews refers to, or uh, I think it's Hebrews, maybe it's James, I can't remember. One of the New Testament writers refers to Esau as being godless to exchange said, don't be like Esau who was godless and exchanged that which was future for something to appease him now. And basically, and that godlessness is something that says, don't be like Esau. And so even the Bible refers to Esau as a bad example. And, and so, but yet Jacob's the one that tricked him out of it and, and basically took his birthright. Esau really didn't give a rip because he was like, well, I'm just going to go be my own man, do my own thing. And so finally he comes to this place where he's going to get his blessing as the eldest son. And Isaac is saying, hey, bring Esau to me. I want to bless him. And, 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 and Jacob tricks him again. But this time he steals his, his actual blessing from his father. You know, he kind of puts the goat's skin on and so he could touch him and feel him. And, oh, that's, es- that's, that's Esau. So it feels like Esau because he can't see him. And so he blesses him. And so when Esau comes in to actually get his blessing, Isaac, his dad, says, I can't give it to you. I've given it to, I've given it to your brother. There's only one blessing. And so this whole dynamic that takes place here, and Esau just goes through the roof. He loses it and wants to kill his brother. And, he, and so Esau, Jacob at this time, he's taken off. He's gone. He's left the roost, and he's do, living his life, and he's actually living for the Lord, though. But, and the, the blessings that are coming are immense. And so this is hanging over Jacob's head, remember? So this is, I'm giving you the backdrop of what's taking place here, because... Jacob finds out that Esau's coming around. He's like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? He gets scared, so he starts sending a delegation, sending people off to, to kind of give him, give him peace offerings. Uh, and, and so the, in, this, in this incident that takes place here, this is what's over Jacob's head in his mind and in his heart and his soul. He, there's, 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 there's something going on. There's turmoil inside of him. There's no rest inside of him. Do you hear me? And that's, what we're, that's why I wanted to share that. So in Genesis chapter uh, 32, starting in verse 22, it says, During the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. I believe that's on the planet of Tatooine, right? <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's over there somewhere. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over, over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that, that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of, out of its socket. And then the man said, let me go. For the dawn is breaking, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Such an interesting thing takes place here. You know, of course, this, first off, I'm, I'm trying to think of this as like, I, I try to envision this taking place. I try to go there in my mind's eye, like, what was that like? Jacob's all alone in the camp. And a man, what, you know, I don't know if he snuck up on him, came upon him. But whatever happens, they just go at it. They're wrestling with each other. And Jacob's full-blown, like, I, I don't know if Jacob understands or knows if this is God or not. Because at the time, in fact, we kind of get this, this uh, um, 
We get an idea that he doesn't because he goes into asking him, who are you? What's your name? And, the, and, the, and, and God asks him, what does it matter? Why do you want to know my name? And he, instead he says, what's your name? So well, I'm Jacob. And he says, well, no, not anymore. Your name is Israel. That's cool. But what's really interesting here is how Jacob takes this, this <laughs> I mean, thinking God. And he's wrestling with God. And, and, and God actually says, he says it, I can't beat him. Isn't that weird? That's a little odd to me. I'm thinking, well, God, if you, I mean, you're God. And then he just goes, boop, and throws his hip out of socket. Like, well, you kind of beat him, didn't you? But no, he didn't, because Jacob didn't let go. He still didn't let go with a bad hip and everything. I'm thinking, man, this is really interesting to me. And yet at the same time, there's something that we could learn from this that's, wow, very supernatural and yet helpful for us to walk this walk with God and learn from what Jacob is experiencing and walking through because he's holding on to God. And whether he realizes it's God or not, it doesn't matter. He's holding on to someone that he knows has the ability to bless him. Because that's all, he, that's all that mattered to him. I will not let you go until you bless me. So there's something happening here that in the supernatural that we can learn from. Is that holding on to God, that wrestling with God... With God, I'm using that word intentionally, pay attention, with God, until he blesses us. So what's a wrestling match with God look like in your life? Wrestling with God is asking, seeking, and knocking. As Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. So it's a persistence in pushing into, going after, not letting go until God actually does what you're asking him to do. That's cool. That's really cool. Because it's something that I believe we need to be Understanding that this is our, a part of our walk with God. This is a, sometimes there's a wrestling match with God and we need to keep on asking. Asking for what? Okay, let's see. This is good stuff. Asking, it's being persistent in prayer, crying out to him for him, not only for the God to do something in our lives, but in others' lives. It's, it's a persisting in prayer because that's what Jesus taught Pray and never give up. Pray without ceasing. Don't give up. Continue to pray. Continue to ask. Continue to ask. He even tells us a story about the widow who kept bugging the, the, uh, the, uh, the um, gosh, the landlord. Say, give me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me. So what are you going to do? You're going to finally just help her. That's what Jesus said. If, if, if I could have, if, I think he probably went on and on and on and on and on and on and on a lot to say, hey, this is exactly what I'm saying to do in prayer. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Because the easy button or the, the cop out, if you will, is say, well, I asked once and didn't happen, so I guess it's God's will to not, for it to not happen. And, and that's... I want to say this with very, with some trepidation, but at the same time with some forewarning. I think sometimes the, the phrase we use, if it's God's will, Lord willing, because the Bible tells us, don't say this and do that without saying Lord willing. So we use that sometimes as a cop-out to not persist and seek and knock and go after like, I, I, I get people that say that to me. I say, hey, I'll see you at church tomorrow. Lord willing. It's like, no, no, no. God already willed it. You need to get your butt out of bed and get there. It's me willing. Hello? 
I, and, and I, somebody's going to bash me for that, but that's okay. So this asking is a persistence in prayer. Keep on asking, keep on asking. It's the seeking of his will. It's seeking his will in all things. But especially the thing that's most in front of you right now. And that, that requires wise discernment. It requires a humility. It, it actually say, Lord, I need your will to be done your will be done, not my will be done, in a situation, in an incident, in the, a circumstance right now. And when we seek God's will in situations and in incidences and circumstances or in direction right now, it requires us to go into deep places into our very soul is to say, why am I seeking the Lord's will? What am I going after here? Is, there, is it something that I'm going after that's selfish or self, self-motivated? Or is it something that I'm going after that's kingdom motivated? And, and to really examine all those things and get real with our heart and even talk to people, good people. You know, when I, I, it, it, one of the ways to find out if you, if you are... Um, <laughs> I, I got to say this correctly, too. Uh, I find it funny that uh, we will go to the person that's going to tell us what we want to hear when it's really, really important for us to go in a direction that we need to go. We'll go to that one person, maybe two people, that will tell us what we want to hear, right? But we stay away from that one that won't tell us. That, like, you know, like, and then we say, well, God told me, and he told them, so it's confirmation because two told me. And it's like, oh, boy. Never brought it to me at my attention, but that's, that's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let the Lord deal with that on, on us. Because when we seek the Lord's will, we need to seek all of his will in humility for the thing that's pressing in front of us right here, right now. So this, this, is, this is part of the wrestling match. Do you see it? Because it's, 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 a, it's a challenge. But what is, what, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because there's really good stuff towards the end. And a knocking, a knocking, because we said that that's what it is. It's asking, seeking, and knocking. Knocking is a physical action on our part. It's basically faith with works. Hello? It's the, it's the move that we make that, is, that gets me going, and I get going, and I start walking in that direction. It's faith with works. That's the knocking. In other words, you got to get up to the door, knock on it, see if it's locked or unlocked, and walk through it. Hello? And that's part of our... Part of the wrestling with God that is, is getting off of our laurels. Can I say that? And be, but, but getting and moving and going in that direction. Hello? There can be, so here's, let me, let me share this. There really can be no detachment or apathy in wrestling. Who was here? Who ever wrestled in school? Anybody? Joey, you did. You ever tried the the limp body move? No. <laughs> Why? Because it wouldn't work. Because <laughs> it wouldn't work. You'd be pinned in about a half a second. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. There is no detachment or apathy in wrestling. It involves direct and constant contact with God. When we wrestle, we believe that our cries and our prayers actually matter and have an impact and are heard and are answered. We hope that our situation will change. We are fully engaged. I believe we live in a time where there's a lot of good seats in the stands. Good seats that are comfortable seats with a really nice view of the game that's going on. But God is challenging us, moving us to be fully engaged in the fray. Because good seats will be a little... Have you ever... You know, you guys know I'm a baseball fan, and Blake and I are baseball fans, and, and we're fans of the same team. And when we talk about stuff that's going on with our, the team we like, how do we talk about it? What's the wording we use? You guys know this, probably. 
Huh? We use we. We. I, in other words, yeah, did you see what we did last night? Man, that was a good game. I'm like, and, and I listen to myself, I'm like, I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't playing in the game, but I deceitfully connect myself to being a part and being a part of the team. When I say that, I'm being honest. I deceitfully connect myself to being having something to do with the outcome of the game, even though I just watched it on TV. Hello? Do you see we live in a culture right now in a world where there's so many good seats to the action. But in God's kingdom, he's challenging us to be in the game, be in the fray to where the we actually does matter and the we is we because it's us doing it. We're not sitting on the sidelines, you know, assessing how they did it wrong or he did it right or man, if I was out there, I would have done this or man, they should have done it that way or that Blankety blank coach, he, I can't believe he made that move. It cost us the game and blah, blah, blah. See, I say us like it was me. It's like, no. See, do you see what I'm saying? There's this challenge to be fully engaged and in the game. In Romans chapter 4, this is a fantastic passage. Um, it, <laughs> I don't need to ask for your forgiveness for saying that kind of stuff because you guys just know I do it all the time. But there's this passage in Romans chapter 4 that Paul breaks down. It's about 10 verses, starting in verse 16. So listen to this. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you through some of these words. So listen carefully. It says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, or if we live by faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. And who creates new things out of nothing. Oh, come on, let's reread that again. He, he speaks into existence from, nothing that, from a nothingness. He creates new things from nothing. Huh. Oh, come on, let the Holy Spirit just like make that just like mm, into your very soul because that's so good. That's who God is. God is a God who makes New things from nothing. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to tell you, I was a nothing. But I'm a new thing now. I didn't matter, but now I do. And that's good news. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah. Ha. Oh. Where did I leave off? Okay. <laughs> Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years old, he figured his body was as good as dead. He was done in. And so was Sarah's womb. And Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced to do and believe that God is able to do whatever he promises. Amen? Come on. Isaac, who was promised to him, take him up to sacrifice because he's fully convinced that the promise hadn't been fulfilled yet. And I believe that it, he, was, he was holding on to the promise of God. Oh my goodness, we need to really hear that and let that sink in. Because a lot of stuff will try to distract us, move us from that. Get us out of focus, get us out of, out of vision to where we don't see the promise. 
Stay focused on his promises. Amen. And his faith grew stronger. And okay, yeah, he bought. Okay, okay, here we are. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too. Woohoo! I say thank you, Jesus, on that one. Hallelujah. Amen. It's for our benefit, too. I love it when the Bible actually says this wasn't just for those people that it happened to. This is for everybody else that comes behind. Amen. That's us. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and was raised to life to make us right with God. See, that's in the game. That's the us and the we that's real and that matters. The us is me and you in the game. He was crucified because of my sins and raised to life to make us right with God. That's cool because not only is that cool, but that's truth. And that's so true that it causes me, it, it compels me to be asking, seeking, knocking, going after the will of God. Hallelujah. Wrestling with God leads to resting in God. Wrestling with God leads to resting in God. And when we are resting in God, we are becoming like him in worship. And what or who we worship is what we resemble most. And this place that we re I referred to earlier, a seamless, organic relationship with God, that's what we're after. But here's something I want to, I want to share with you. Carson, hear this. Hunter, hear this. Once you taste, once you taste... I was going to say taste and see that the Lord is good. But instead, once you taste honey from the rock. Honey from the rock. Because that shouldn't happen. But once you taste honey from the rock, your entire system, your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul will crave it even more. But you got to get a taste of it. And until you taste it, and until you wrestle with God, until you go after it and you hold on to God and you say, God, don't leave me. Don't let me go until you bless me. Until you give me something, give me something supernatural that this world can't give me. Until you taste that, you won't even know what I'm talking about. But once you taste it, you just can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of that peace, that rest, that, that something inside that says, I just want more. I need more. My body craves it. My mind is after it. My soul longs for it. My spirit can't rest until I am in him. But we got to go after it. We got to taste it. And Jesus knows this very well. Very well. <laughs> That's why he says, eat of me, drink of me, and you will be fulfilled. Eat of me, drink of me, and you will be fulfilled. So I have some time real quick because I wanted to do something here that I think is interesting because I've been talking about wrestling with God, Right? Hello? Okay. Okay, good. But we need, I think there's a need to identify the distinction between wrestling with God and wrestling against the enemy. You hear that? We need to identify the distinction between wrestling with God and wrestling against the enemy. They're both biblical and both part of the walk. That the Bible tells us we're going to be a part is going to be a part of your life. 
So I'm just going to hit three things, three things to help us identify. And there's probably a lot more. In fact, if you think of one that you can think of that could help you identify, then, then shout it out, get my attention. But there's three things that I want to hit. So when you wrestle with God, he is bringing you to something in your life that is ultimately the best for you. He has a purpose to bring you to somewhere or something in your life that is the best for you. The best for you. Not just better than this or better than that, but the absolute best for you. Hello? So <clears throat> these three areas, I think, are important to identify in that they are a wrestling match with God. Is it going to deal with submission to authority? Submission to authority, that's a wrestling match with God, is when we're dealing with that in our very heart, mind, and soul, is being sub submiss submissive to authority. Um, I'll try to share a little bit about each of these. Uh, there was a, a, a gentleman I, I run into, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe a year ago, who knows, time flies. Somebody that was a part of this fellowship a long, long, long time ago. And Glenn understood this aspect. This person wanted to be in leadership. Actually felt like he was the next in line to be the pastor of this church and was dealing with doing some stuff and uh, had, uh, was uh, even leading in worship and things. And um, so he came to Glenn and told him all this stuff. This is, he actually approached me and told me this. And this is, he told me this interaction. I didn't know about it until he told me about it. And he said, uh, said yeah, I, I told Glenn I wanted, to be, I wanted to do this and do that and be, be in leadership. And I wanted to be the next guy that's pastoring the church. And, and Glenn, Glenn he's, he said that Glenn just, Glenn told me, you know what he told me? And he was all like, he got all scowly. He's like, he told me, yeah, as soon as you come under my authority, then you can start the process. I told him I ain't coming under no man. I was like, oh. Uh, are, you, are you telling me this because why? You still got an issue? <laughs> like I, I was just like okay, and, and see, so this God gave that man an opportunity, wrestled with him, and he said, "Nope, I ain't doing it." Tapped out. Said, "Nope, I ain't gonna go there." Instead of holding on until the blessing comes. He let go. Hmm. Submission to authority is a wrestling match with God. Obedience, the next one, these, like I said, three things. Second one, obedience to that which you already know to do is a wrestling match with God. I'll say it again because it's important to understand it as that. Obedience to that which you already know to do. You guys remember the story of the uh, rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, hey, how do I get eternal life? And so he came and asked Jesus a question. And, he's, and Jesus, of course, he does this. You know, and I realized something. Let me interrupt myself. This is really cool. I realized this as there's, like I said, this is an interruption. So I'll try not to take too much time with it. But it's a cool one. I realized something as I was going to a passage of scripture that I really like to go to a lot. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the beginning. It's the, the creation and, and God forming man and woman and commissioning them to go and, and bless the earth, fulfill it, and fill it up and, and uh, replenish it, and, and all these things. That it, it, and, then all, and then the fall. So it's the first three chapters of Genesis. They're like, kind of like say it like my favorite chapters of the Bible I don't, just because there's so much there and it's such a cool thing because you know we know that this Bible was written and it was written and and yet we have this accurate this account of of creation and these interactions and these these conversations between Adam and Eve and there's nobody there but Adam and Eve and God and yet we have all these conversations, so I, I think it's so awesome that God gave these 
words to Moses to write down in total accuracy to where we could have this and we could learn from it and understand it and see how it all came about and see the, the makeup of mankind from the beginning and, and, the, and, our, and our, our tendency just from the very beginning without having all the world and the stuff in the way and yet still there's this thing that's taken place in Adam and Eve. And so I'm reading this and, and it dawned on me as I'm reading it is that God the Father was just like Jesus. He, he, he came into the garden and he starts asking questions. Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And Adam comes to him and says, well, you know, we, we were naked and we were ashamed to be seen. Who told you you were naked? It was constant questions. Well, we, did, did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? Well, it was that woman. It was her fault. And it goes, what happened? Did you eat from that tree? It was that serpent. It was his fault. These constant questions to just get to the bottom of it so that we could really see what's really going on in our hearts. God still does that. He does that in you. He does that in me. He asks you the question. He asks me the question. What's going on? Why'd you go there? Why'd you say that? What was happening in your heart there? I have a lovely wife that does that so well. <laughs> and I appreciate it all the time. There's sometimes it takes me a minute or two to get to the place of actually saying thank you. <laughs> for. But it's so good having somebody in your life that challenges you with that, the questions. And so Jesus comes to this rich young ruler and he comes to him. What do I do to get eternal life? What does he do? Asks a question. What was the question? What does the law say to do? Well, it says to not kill, not steal, honor your mother and father. It's like, Jesus said, okay, go do that. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how Jesus says, asks him what's the law say to do, and he quotes back the law, and he says, okay, go do it. He didn't say, well, you know, he didn't get into the Nicodemus conversation. Well, you've done all that. That didn't work. Now you must be born again. I mean, shouldn't he have done that? Hello? We'd have had another account of the law doesn't work. You must be born again. But he didn't. Instead, he says, just go do that. And he says, well, I've done that since I was a boy. And I, you could hear it in Jesus' tone. It's like, have you really? Have you really? Because the law says a lot more than what you think it says. And I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and take everything you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. And the guy goes, well, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Because he knew that that's what he needed to do. And you see, that was a wrestling match with God right there. And instead of holding on to the hard thing with a sprained hip, he let go. Let go and walked away because it was too hard. So wrestling with God is going to deal with you being obedient in the things that you already know that you need to be doing. All across the room, and I be one, we know what it is. If we really ask, seek, and knock. Wrestling with God is always future-oriented. Future-oriented. It's dealing with stuff that is, is above your understanding in the here and now and into something that is future. And it's future-oriented in blessing. In blessing. Blessing others. Blessing 
the future generations. Blessing and pouring into and, and, and instilling in those that are beyond you. Do you hear that? That's really cool. So that's going to be a wrestling match because the opposite is this, the wrestling against the enemy because the enemy is out to do what? To do through three things. Since we're talking about three things, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. Ultimately just bring you to utter destruction. But even worse, even worse than stealing from you, killing you, and destroying you, there's a worse move that he's going to use to try to make. Is he's going to try to get to use you to do it to others. Hello? Basically, the enemy is, his goal is to use you to do his dirty work. And the enemy's wrestling against you. Attempting to get you to go in his direction is going to deal with the same three things. Rebellion against authority. Rebellion against authority. Justification to known disobedience. Isn't the enemy good at that? Hello? Nobody's going to own up to that one? Justification to known disobedience. Let me just bring one subject up. A fun one. No, I'll bring up two because they're both fun. Sexual purity. Well, you know I have needs. Um... And, you know, my wife isn't meeting him, so, hey, i got to meet my needs. Well, God made me this way. If I don't use it, I'm going to lose it. Oh, man, I've heard so many. I've heard, I, I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Because it's, what we're doing is we're playing into the enemy's hand. It's justification against known disobedience. We know we need to stay pure and holy to our spouse. Whether you have one yet or not, your future spouse you need to stay holy and pure to. How about tithing? Oh, whoops. I, I didn't mean to bring that one up. I know, huh? Totally meddling. Tithing is something that we need to know that we know that we need to obey the Lord in. It's an act of trust and faith. In, in a, it's an act of obedient faith to God, to trust God with our funds, our finances, our monies. But the enemy will give us, he'll give us nice little ah, justifications why we don't really have to do it. Well, you know, I don't have enough. I don't even have enough to live on as it is. Why would God want me to give out of that which I can't even live on already? Or you know what? I'll volunteer and I'll tithe my time. That's a good one. I've heard that one many times before, as opposed to my money. So therefore, if I give time instead of money, I'm actually doing a work and a service to tithe. In, it, it, see, that goes back to the first three chapters of Genesis, because that was part of man's curse. The land will be cursed. You will have to earn a living by the sweat of your brow. So even that is like this, it, it's this road that says everything you earn is a part of the curse. Now we give back to God and it becomes a part of the blessing. And God blessing is way better than the curse of the enemy. Gosh, every time, any time, all the time. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's just, uh, it's, it's not mine anyway. But when we, when we obey, Obey the Lord in that. It's, and that, that is really, and that's why I'm saying the wrestling matches is obedient to the known thing that we are supposed to do and we should do. That's a part of our walk with God. Whereas the enemy wants us to justify our disobedience. And the enemy is always going to get us to be focused on now. Right? Now oriented. Now oriented. What pleases me? What gives me now? It's my money and I want it now kind of attitude that goes. The, and it's, it's, it's one that, that uh, <laughs> if I could say it, it's, it's, the, it's the way of the world. 100% is get yours now. 
get it now. And that's an enemy's direction. Amen? So the enemy has a goal to steal, kill, and destroy, ultimately destroy you. But even, even worse, his goal is to use you to do his dirty work. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose. See, the enemy has no purpose. God has a purpose for you to give you life. And his life and his goodness and unfailing love pursues us. God actually calls, commissions, and empowers you to do his kingdom work. Worship team, you guys want to come up because we're, we're about here. But as I finish up this, because I want us to get this picture, a really clear picture of a wrestling match that you are in, that I am in, we are in. It's the we, the us, you and I together. It's a wrestling match. God ultimately, God ultimately always wins. Amen. Come on, I just need a good hearty amen to that one. God wins. It's a matter of us holding on to him even in the midst of the pain that it may cause. In fact, it, it, it will cause pain. And that sometimes is the Christian message that we're not hearing abroad, is that following God, trusting God is, is, is difficult. It's even painful. In fact, Jesus said it that exact way. He said, the road to follow me is narrow and straight and difficult with trials and tribulations and challenges. And few will find it. I don't know if for those words, I need us to hear this very clear. I want us to be a part of the few. 100%, I pray, I cry out. I ask, seek, and knock. God, make us the few. For you, I seek this for you. For me, make us the few. The few stay on that road and hold on to God for the blessings and it's not about my blessings, it's blessings to give, to share, to pour into others' lives. Then he says it's the, the, the road that, that many, I mean, Jesus used those words, many will follow is wide and broad and easy with not many challenges. It's smooth. The seats are comfortable. It's even got a, a box in the sky with air conditioning and all-you-can-eat hot dogs. Man, that was weird. I don't know where I went there. Yeah, actually went to a Kings game and got a, a box in the sky and it was all-you-can-eat hot dogs. The view was beautiful. I was even able to take my wife there and enjoy a basketball game with our new little baby, Mackenzie. I thought, this is, this is pleasant. This is comfortable. There's no how to, rowdy fans. You're not all like, Argh. but that's the easy road. He says, many will take that. Many will take that. The, 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 the challenging road, the, the wrestling match with God is a good thing. Hold on to him. Don't let go. Get in the fray. Stop watching from the sidelines. Ask God to give you a taste of his goodness so that you can see how wonderful it is. Honey from the rock is beautiful. It's supernatural. It's beyond your doing. It's beyond your ability to, to gather it's God giving it because I hold on to God in worship. I hold on to God with my mind and my heart and my soul. I hold on to God with everything that is in me. And I'm going to tell you right out, and I need to share this because I think all of you can relate to this. There's a lot of stuff that's like, you know, as I'm holding on to God, I think you have this wrestling match with Jacob that we get a picture of, but he's all alone. And he's got a, 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 a out-of-socket hip now, and he's still holding on. 
But I think what we deal with too at the same regards is in the same wrestling matches, we got others that are pulling us, trying to get us off of God. Get off of that God. What's he ever done for you really? Just let go. Just let go and start living your life. What's God really ever gonna do for you now? I mean, there's people that, there's Christians all over the place that are dying. And that's a world trying to pull you off of God. Say, let go, let go. They'll even try to pry your fingers off. Grab on with the other hand. Even if they cut your arm off, grab on with the other hand and wrap your leg around them, put them in a chokehold, whatever it is. Don't let go until God blesses you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you. It's just that, that word that you use, that your goodness and your unfailing love pursues us. It kind of brings a lot more meaning. It seems like every day I think of that and it brings so much more depth to your and our relationship. And Father, so we, we thank you that, that you come after us. Maybe in the dark, we may be all alone feeling like... What? what's next and then you come in and you grapple with this you grab us to get our attention to say I'm right here I'm right here don't let go of me so Lord we thank you that you come after us and you don't let us go you encourage us to hold on to you more than just encourage us you actually empower us commission us with purpose with a calling for your kingdom to bring others in and taste this honey from the rock so in Jesus name just fill us up this morning completely and fully may we be fully satisfied in you longing for more thank you Jesus amen